In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and fill us again. Come and fill us again. We believe that there's more for us today. We thank you for this new day. We thank you for the new mercies that we've already received today. Lord, we ask you to send your holy angels here to surround us. Give special graces to our guardian angels. Send the heavenly host and the archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael, to guard us, to protect us, to intercede for us, to lead us and guide us in our prayer today. Mother Mary, we crown you queen of this day and entrust all of our intentions to your immaculate heart as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I guess I should turn up the lights again. Okay, let's look at a number from the Catechism. Once again, on contemplative prayer. Number 2711. 2711. Entering into contemplative prayer is like entering into the Eucharistic liturgy. We quote unquote gather up the heart, recollect our whole being under the prompting of the Holy Spirit, abide in the dwelling place of the Lord, which we are. Awaken our faith in order to enter into the presence of him who awaits us. We let our masks fall and turn our hearts back to the Lord who loves us. So as to hand ourselves over to him as an offering to be purified and transformed. Very beautiful. I like that it highlights the fact here that we awaken our faith in order to enter into the presence of Him who awaits us. It's a good thing to keep in mind. Whenever you go to prayer, God is already there awaiting you. As Father Jean Martinic would say, let us now turn our attention to God, who's always paying attention to us. It's great. It's true. It's true. We let our masks fall and turn our hearts back to the Lord who loves us so as to hand ourselves over to him as an offering to be purified and transformed. So I think I'll save it for our next talk, the beginning of our next talk, because we're already dipping into our time here, but there's a nice little video 
on incense and myrrh and where it comes from and the spiritual significance of it. It's a little conversation between Father Boniface Hicks and Matt Frad. So I can show you that little clip uh, at our next session. So I mentioned that I would put up a new paradigm here. I realized some of you weren't here when I did this. Just to quickly review, this top paradigm is what many of us were raised with. You better behave, and you better believe me because I said so, and then you can belong. But that's not very good news. That's speaks of conditional love, performance-based spirituality, results-based relationship. But this is really the good news here. Jesus comes and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand when he began his public ministry. Heaven is here right now, and I want you to belong to it. Believe me, repent and believe in me. Repent and believe in me. Believe what I'm showing you. I'm not just telling you, but I'm actually showing you. Remember, Christianity is a religion of revelation. A little review from yesterday. And the proper response in number 142 of the Catechism states that our proper response to that revelation of God is faith. Faith. So God reveals, and he tells us, and he shows us that we belong to him and to heaven. We believe that, and then the Spirit comes. The Spirit comes in power, and that enables us to walk with Jesus and to do the things that Jesus did, and even greater ones, John 14, 12, than he did. So a bit of a paradigm shift, perhaps. So today, I'll just put down here what I mentioned in the homily, because so much of our growth in the Lord depends on how secure we are in our identity. The more secure we are in our identity, the easier it is for us to heal and to grow. Even in Encounter Ministries, which, which you know, talks about physical healing and prophecy and miracles, the very first quarter of the Encounter School is identity. Because they don't want people to feel like they should just go out and start healing people and define themselves as a healer. No, you're first and foremost a child of God. But what does the world say? Remember what I said, the world says, I do so that I can have, and that defines who I am. That's the world. And we all know how exhausting that is. 
Because we'll never be good enough. We'll never be good enough. So what does God tell us? He says to you, you are a child of God. And you have to come into agreement with that. So that's why you have to say and believe, I am a beloved daughter of my Heavenly Father. Got to make that act of faith. Got to declare that. Activate that faith. So I am, and as we heard in the gospel today, because we are uh, members, oops, because we are members of the household of God, we have access. We have access to everything in the Father's house. And that allows us to do the works of God. So that's a more godly paradigm. I am a child of God. I have access to everything in the Father's house because my citizenship is in heaven. That's what Paul said. My citizenship is in heaven. And so I have access. It's like I have a, a passport, a heavenly passport. <laughs> I have a heavenly passport, which guarantees me my rights. That's what a passport does when you travel abroad. It guarantees your rights as an American citizen in Mexico or Spain or Israel. So you have a heaven, a passport from heaven. <laughs> guarantees your rights, the gifts, the graces. And that allows you to do. It allows you to grow in virtue. It allows you to grow in the gifts. So to grow in your identity is so important. I don't think we can fully appreciate who we are on this side of heaven. It's hard. Hard to appreciate our dignity as sons and daughters of God our Father. And what we're discovering is that we're just, we're more. You're, you're more than daughters. You're more than that. What you're discovering through the song is that you're a sister and a bride and a mother. So as you move, as you mature in a relationship with God, you become more than just a daughter. But these different realms of your heart, these different chambers of your heart, of your being, start to flourish and bear fruit. So it's one of the objectives, I would say, of the song is to help us all realize that we're more than just children although that's awesome, then all these other aspects of our personality, of our being, come to life. And we mature. Just like in life, you were first a daughter, then a sister, then a wife and mom. Some of you. <laughs> Most of you. But even in a spiritual life, you can become all of those things. You may not be a, a mother, 
in this world, but you can absolutely be a mother in the spiritual life, a spiritual mother. And even if you've had kids of your own, well, you can still have more spiritual children. So look at, let's look at, oh, I just wanted to go back actually to the, to the beginning, chapter one, verse two. So our translation here reads in verse two, let him smother me with kisses, his spirit kiss divine. So this is where looking at other translations helps because I was, you might recall I got a little stuck there for a minute and I wanted, I wanted to make reference to the Trinity. What's well, because this translation doesn't really highlight that so well. But in another translation it would say, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Let him, let God the Father kiss me with the kisses, the Holy Spirit of his mouth, the Son. So there's a reference there to the Trinity. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. The Father kissing me with the mouth of his Son and the kiss that is transmitted is the Holy Spirit. That's a mystical thought for a Saturday morning. <laughs> there you go. We can chew on that one all day. So we can jump back now to chapter 4. So Jesus, the bridegroom king. This is a pretty short chapter, so that's why I knew I had a little leeway here this morning. But again, he's affirming you. We all need to be affirmed. Maybe just a little riff on affirmation. Genuine affirmation? The affirmation that we need to flourish as a human being comes for who we are, not for what we do. Not that the latter isn't important, because it's true, we all want to be appreciated for what we do. But more than that, and more importantly, we need to be affirmed for who we are. And it's one of the things that Encounter highlights about the baptism of Jesus. It happened before he started his public ministry. So before he performed any signs and wonders, he was baptized in the Jordan and he was affirmed by his father. He heard it. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. I delight in him. Son, I delight in you just for who you are. That's really important. Uh, the book is called Born Only Once. Uh, anybody know that book? Born Only Once. It's a short little read. Catholic psychologist. I can Google it. His name will come to me. Um, but it talks about affirmation. 
and what genuine affirmation is and how important it is for us to be truly born and to flourish. And when we don't receive that, it's hard for us to have the healthy self-esteem that we need, the healthy self-love that we need. Because otherwise we're always looking to define ourselves. We're looking to define ourselves. That's another thing that the world would say. Today more than ever, sadly. You can define yourself however you want. Don't even be hindered by biology. Right? You can define yourself however you want. So we we see the extreme of it right now in 2024. We see how extreme it can get. Talk about an identity crisis. Our society is going through an identity crisis because they're not receiving their identity as a gift from God. They're not being affirmed in their true identity. And so they're looking all over the place. They're looking all over the place, trying to define themselves, trying to find happiness, trying to find acceptance. And so God wants to assure us that we are wanted, we are accepted, we are chosen, we've been claimed by God. He affirms us. And that's not being proud, that's not being vain. Even Jesus needed it. We all need it. So ask the Lord for that grace. Lord, help me to receive your affirmation of me as you communicate it in the scriptures. Help me to receive the affirmation of my brothers and sisters who appreciate me just for who I am. And help me to appreciate myself just for who I am. Psalm 139, if you need help with that. Psalm 139. I'm fearfully, wonderfully made. Or Mary's Magnificat. She's affirming, the Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. Okay, chapter 4. Listen, my dearest darling, you are so beautiful. You are beauty itself to me. Your eyes are like gentle doves behind your veil. What devotion I see each time I gaze upon you. (coughs) That gaze is important. That gaze is important. We've been talking about how God, quote unquote, speaks to us. Well, one of the most profound ways is through his gaze. 
as gaze, because we all know, true lovers know, that as you grow in love, very few words are necessary. But how much a loving gaze can communicate more than words, right? A loving, tender gaze from God, from a loved one, can communicate so much more than any words could tell. And so here he's saying how much he appreciates your gaze when you look at him. And you might look at him with fear, you might look at him with confusion, you might look at him with sadness, but when you look at him anytime, he loves to see you. He loves to see you. It's a good thing to affirm. In the name of Jesus, I believe and I declare the truth that God loves to see me. He enjoys it. He delights in me. So ask the Lord to help you get in touch with that. That gaze, your gaze, his gaze. And your imagination may not be so good, maybe it's hard for you to imagine him looking at you. But again, the spirit can even go beyond that. And what is transmitted with a gaze can be received in spirit and in truth. Remember those mirror neurons between mother and child? Well, those mirror neurons can happen between God <laughs> and creature. And Jesus has mirror neurons too in his glorified body. So we can receive the good vibes from Jesus. And again, it's the Holy Spirit's job to communicate those good vibes. And we can receive those into our hearts, into our bodies. And we can be touched, we can be healed, we can be affirmed, we can be encouraged. You are like a sacrifice ready to be offered. When I look at you, I see how you have taken my fruit and tasted my word. Your life has become clean and pure, like a lamb washed and newly shorn. So there's a little bit of, a, of an affirmation here and a little bit of a movement, cleansing, purification. So we're moving perhaps more out of the purgative stage into the illuminative stage, if you want to label it. the three movements, traditionally speaking, but there's a lot of you know, sub-movements, you might say, in each one, but from the purgative to the illuminative to the unitive stage, here we see Jesus, the divine bridegroom, the bridegroom king affirming us. You now show grace and balance 
with truth on display. Manifestations of maturity. Manifestations of maturity. How do you know that you're moving and maturing? Grace and balance with truth on display. Balance. It's a good word. Balance. To be a Christian, it's a radical thing. <laughs> but there's also a kind of balance and wisdom. We don't get moved too far to the left or too far to the right. Watching The Chosen, that comes out so beautifully. I was re-watching season two, episode one, a little bit yesterday when I was eating and preparing some things. And <coughs> John and James go out to find Jesus there in Samaria. And those Samaritans spit on Jesus and James and John are ready to go and start a fight. And Jesus puts them in place. Debalanced. Your lips are as lovely as Rahab's scarlet ribbon, speaking mercy, speaking grace. Another sign of maturity. Speaking mercy, speaking grace. Not condemnation, not shame. The words of your mouth are as refreshing as an oasis. What pleasure you bring to me, and you could add, to my people. We all know that from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. From the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. So as your heart is filled with God's grace, his mercy, his kindness and gentleness, remember, keep asking for that gift. Lord, help me to be kind and gentle to myself. Lord, help me to receive your kindness and your gentleness. Help me to be in contact with that. Help me to experience your kindness and your gentleness towards me. Please restore and perfect the image that I have of you so that the image that I have of myself can be restored and perfected so that I can become all that you created me to be so that I can do all that you've called me to do. But the, notice the doing flows from the being. The doing flows from the being. And we all know when we put the doing in front of the being. <laughs> because when one little thing then doesn't go our way, we blow up. Right? We get really agitated really fast. It's a good sign that you're putting the doing in front of the being. But when we put the being in front of the doing, when we give primacy to grace, 
that we can go with the flow, man. <laughs> we can go with the flow, man. Not that we don't need structure and schedules, but hey, life happens. It's so funny in that same first episode, James and John. We've come up with a schedule for the next month. <laughs> Jesus isn't there, right? And then, of course, everyone else are, they're all telling James and John how ridiculous they are. And Andrew's like, all right, well, let's vote on it then. Yeah, let's see. Yeah. All in favor of James and John's plan, raise your hand. Okay, fine. Well, we're going to go. So they just got more and more anxious. I've got to do this. And we've got to do that. And we've got to. Hmm. You know the old saying, you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans, right? You want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. I see your blushing cheeks opened like the halves of a pomegranate showing through your veil of tender meekness. Tender meekness. Jesus, meek and humble of heart, please make my heart more like yours. Meekness and tenderness go together. And that doesn't mean that you're a pushover or a sap or a Pollyanna. Jesus was not that at all. <clears throat> but he knew how to be guided by the Spirit. And he knew how to receive people in their brokenness with kindness, with tenderness. Even when people came after him with anger, with misunderstanding, accusations, he knew who he was and he knew what he was all about. So he didn't have to get all excited when he was insulted. James and John were still learning that. They insulted you! Don't they know who you are? Well, actually, John, they don't. Not yet. And you're not going to help them get to know me any better if you want to start a fight with them and call down thunder and lightning and have them burn to the ground? Really? Well, now that you say it that way, it doesn't sound very good. <laughs> So that's another thing about growing in identity. We know who we are and what we're about. And there's going to be misunderstanding. Sadly, even from within your own home, under your own roof. <coughs> when I look at you, verse 4, I see your inner strength so stately and strong. You are as secure as David's fortress. 
Your virtues and grace cause a thousand famous soldiers to surrender to your beauty. Your pure faith and love rest over your heart as you nurture those who are yet infants. How beautiful. How beautiful. Like I said yesterday, the testimony of a woman who knows who she is and what she's about in Christ, powerful, powerful. So attractive, so attractive. What's our response? Verse six, I've made up my mind. Again, we have to make these decisions. We have to activate our wills our intellects, our hearts. I've made up my mind until the darkness disappears and the dawn has fully come. In spite of shadows and fears, I will go to the mountaintop with you, the mountain of suffering love and the hill of burning incense. Yes, I will be your bride. Beautiful. Beautiful. And that needs to be renewed, as you can imagine. That kind of decision needs to be renewed every day. I've made up my mind until the darkness disappears and the dawn has fully come. In spite of shadows and fears, I will go to the mountaintop with you, the mountain of suffering love in the hill of burning incense. Yes, I will be your bride. Does she know exactly what she's saying yes to? No. <laughs> like when some of you got married. Like when I joined the Legion back in 1994, you know? God, what were you thinking? You knew the founder was a criminal and you still called me to be a legionary. What gives? Don't worry. I got this. Because if God would have showed you all of the things that were going to happen in your marriage, would you have said yes? Probably not. If God would have shown me all of the things that were going to happen to me in the last 30 years, would I have said yes? Probably not. If we're honest... That's why God doesn't do that. <laughs> That's why God doesn't do that. But sufficient for a day <laughs> are its own evils, right? So one day at a time, God gives us the grace for the present moment. I think it's a fear that the devil tries to instill in us. When we read something like this, verse 6, we think about the cross. Oh, what is God going to ask of me? You know, or my family. What's going to happen? Well, that's not the attitude that, that's going to you know, allow us to grow in trust and confidence. That comes from the enemy. Those thoughts, those worries come from the enemy. 
Listen to the bridegroom's response here. Every part of you is so beautiful, my darling. Perfect is your beauty without flaw within. So no one's perfect, but you're perfectly lovable just the way you are. That's what God wants you to know. You're perfectly lovable just the way you are because I made you that way. Now you are ready, my bride, to come with me as we climb the highest peaks together. So you don't do it alone. What's implied in that question I just asked a minute ago, oh, what's God going to ask of me? What's going to happen to me? You start thinking that you're going to be alone in it. And that's not true. We climb the highest peaks together. Come with me through the archway of trust. The archway of trust. That's why the motto of divine mercy is so important. Jesus, I trust in you. We will look down from the crest of the glistening mounts and from the summit of our sublime sanctuary, from the lion's den and the leopard's lair. For you reach into my heart with one flash of your eyes, I am undone by your love, my beloved, my equal, my bride. You leave me breathless, so you take Jesus' breath away. You take Jesus' breath away. I'm overcome by merely a glance from your worshiping eyes, for you have stolen my heart. I'm held hostage by your love and by the graces of righteousness shining upon you. How satisfying to me, my equal, my bride. Your love is my finest wine, intoxicating and thrilling. And your sweet perfumed praises, so exotic, so pleasing. Your loving words are like the honeycomb to me. Your tongue releases milk and honey. For I find the promised land flowing within you. Skipping down to 13 to 14 there. Your inward life is now sprouting, bringing forth fruit. What a beautiful paradise unfolds within you. When I'm near you, I smell aromas of the finest spice. For many clusters of my exquisite fruit now grow within your inner garden. Skip down to the bride, 16. Awake, O north wind. Awake, O south wind, breathe on my garden with your spirit wind. Stir up the sweet spice of your life within me. Spare nothing as you make me your fruitful garden, as you make me your fruitful garden. So again, it's a work of God. It's what God does when we give him permission to do his thing. Hold nothing back until I release your fragrance. Come walk with me as you walked with Adam in your paradise garden. Come taste the fruits of your life in me. So there's more confidence there in the relationship. There's more confidence there. So I share these things because I think it it stretches us. <laughs> you may not...
be there right now in your prayer life, in your relationship with the Lord, that's okay. The invitation is there. The invitation is there to seek it, to desire it. So God doesn't hold anything against you, but rather receive this as an invitation. Don't see it as something impossible because it's not impossible. It's something that God wants for each and every one of you. And it'll look and sound and, and feel different for each and every one of you. God knows your love language. God knows your love language and, and, and the images and the experiences that will speak to your heart. So certainly don't feel confined by what's written here, but rather just be inspired. Lord, I want that kind of relationship with you. I want to keep growing in intimacy with you. Help me to be vulnerable with you because that vulnerability leads to intimacy, leads to maturity and growth. Okay. We'll leave it there for now.